Good evening and welcome back to Shawnee Baptist Church's online service. I'm delighted that you could uh, be here this evening and it is my prayer that you've had a wonderful week, uh, that God has shown himself that your Bible reading and prayer time has been special and uh, I do think our time in God's word this evening will be special as well. And uh, what a delight it is anytime uh, we can gather together, uh, whether it's in person or here online, we can open up the word of God, we can pray, uh, seek God and his will for our lives. And I am so thankful that you this evening took the time to join us. Uh, we here are looking forward to our in-person assembly coming up at the very end of this month, uh, May 24th. That Sunday morning is our target date. And uh, I have a meeting with uh, a few of the people in our church. Uh, we've pulled together some staff, some deacons, and then some laymen. And uh, we're going to talk about that reopen and some practices and things that uh, we'd like to see as we uh, kind of get things moving again. Uh, that meeting is Monday, and I'd ask you to pray for that, that the Lord would give us wisdom and that we would continue to seek Him uh, during this time. But we're looking forward to that May 24th date. And uh, I think it'll be special. Um, we'll put out more details. Of course, this upcoming Sunday is Mother's Day. Yes, uh, kids and teens and husbands, this is your reminder. This is your reminder. Uh, Sunday morning, Mother's Day, uh, go ahead, get the cards, buy the flowers, get a gift, uh, you name it, but you need to be prepared. You need to be ready to go. And uh, that is your public service announcement for tonight. And then um, I want you to look forward to Sunday as well. We're going to announce a, a little bit of a fundraiser that we're going to start working on. And uh, we have had the wonderful privilege to be online for the last couple weeks, uh, a little over two months now. And we want to see that transition as we start assembling again and uh, create a better experience. We've asked uh, Brother Tim Smith and Brother Andrew Primo to put together uh, kind of um, what we need here at the church to provide a better online experience for those who are watching. And so um, this weekend, we are going to kick off that fundraiser, uh, starting with making a special announcement that we've already had uh, just a, a, a bunch of money come in for it already. And, uh, and, and I'm excited about that. And then we want to try to make up the rest of that. And so stay tuned for that announcement this weekend. And I'm, I'm surely excited about what God is doing and how God is working. Um, so many things that we don't even see yet. That I just have faith uh, that God is doing it and that God is working all things out. And I can't wait to hear the testimonies and sharing the stories and some of those stories might not be till we get to heaven, uh, but that's okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to what God has in store for us. And, and church, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. We've got a couple more weeks of uh, this social distancing and not being able to assemble as a church. Wait it out. Uh, don't, don't, don't get impatient. Don't faint because we're going to get to reap the benefits of it here in just a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a word of prayer, 
And then I'm going to have you take your Bibles and open up to James chapter number two again. Uh, so let's pray together, and then we'll jump into our Bible study this evening. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the wonderful privilege we have to come to your word uh, here in the middle of our week. Thank you for the faithful members uh, and, and even those who are members but have been faithfully visiting our church through online services the past uh, couple months. And God, I do pray that you would speak to our hearts in a special way, that your spirit would be evident tonight, that as, as I teach I would say exactly what you want said, nothing more, nothing less. God, give me boldness as I preach tonight. And then for all of us, as we sit and worship there in our home and as we listen and, uh, and, and make application to our life, I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. I, I pray that tonight we've come to your word with a prepared heart and a prepared mind uh, to hear your truth and, and God, would you use the truth to add to our spiritual maturity? And we'll be sure to thank you and praise you for what you do. And your son, Jesus' precious name, we ask it. Amen. James chapter 2, we're reading there again in verses 1 through 9. And uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't watch last week's online service, it's okay. We're going to spend a good chunk of tonight reviewing last week partially because as a church, we need to hear it again. And then we're going to give uh, the last point of the week's message and then kind of make a few practical applications uh, that we can put into practice right now. And especially as at the end of the month, we begin to assemble again. And so James 2, verse number one, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? And are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Last week, we jumped into chapter two and these nine verses. Once again, the whole goal of uh, our study being that of spiritual maturity, but our theme for chapter two is practicing the truth, practicing the truth. We hear it, uh, we make application, and as James closed out in chapter one, we become doers of the word. And so chapter two, how do we put that into practice or how do we live it out? Immature people talk about their beliefs. Mature people talk and practice their beliefs. Every person has some sort of statement of beliefs. Uh, when they're called into question, they could give uh, kind of what's going on in their mind about their views of God. 
Uh, but what is said from the mouth is far less important than what is practiced by our feet, than what is moved in action. We've heard it, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And in all purposes, that is what James is talking to us about in chapter number two, making sure that our walk is right, that we are practicing the truth. Here in these nine verses, James desires to help the church. He calls out a problem they had. He he, uh, tells them, you have respective persons and, and it is a sin. He calls out the problem and he shows them a simple test of that problem. Two people are sent into the assembly, into the place of worship, into the church. Uh, one uh, dressed out and decked out, uh, looking sharp. The other in, in poor raiment uh, and vile raiment and just, just looking shoddy. And he says, how do you treat these two people? Do you give the one who's dressed up a higher place? Do you respect them more? Do you do you tell the one uh, who uh, has rough clothing, go stand in the corner uh, or sit here under my footstool, sit on the floor? How do you treat these two types of people as they come in? And, and it leads us and it led us to this thought, the way we behave towards people indicates what we really believe about God. The way we behave towards people, the way we treat other people shows us uh, what we think about God, where, is, where our mind is at according to the mind of God. First John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, we read, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God in whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. He says, if you can't love your brother who you know and who you've been around and who is in front of you, you've seen, if you can't love him, how can you love a God that you, that you have not seen? Once again, we show our love for God by the way we love other people. James uses this phrase, respect of persons. We would do well to remember the context in which James is speaking. Um, it was a it was a age that was filled with prejudice and hatred. It was a very partial age. Um, there was partiality based on class. There was partiality based on nationality. There was a partiality based on ethnicity. There was a, a partiality based on religious background. There was a partiality based on schooling, and there was a partiality based on gender. Uh, This whole age was filled with that. In in James' world, people were routinely and permanently categorized because they were Jew or Gentile, slave or free, rich or poor, Greek and uh, barbaric, or whatever. They were categorized. And the Holy Spirit uses James to put his finger right in the early church to call out their respective persons and to address it by how God feels about it and how God thinks about other people. The Holy Spirit uses James to identify it not just for the other church, but also for you and I. He uses the illustration of a poor man and a rich man, and then he asks some questions 
to get them to think and uh, look at their own life. Okay? Verse number four, are you not then partial in yourselves? Have you become judges of evil thoughts? Uh, hath not God chosen, verse number five, the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? Another question, do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Another question, do they not blaspheme thy worthy name by which ye are called? And so it's an illustration of questions that help us find God's mind and thoughts about this particular matter. I believe the Holy Spirit uses this phrase, respective persons, uh, for far more than just rich and poor. Uh, it's respective persons, but it's partiality, favoritism, prejudice. Uh, there's a whole host of different names that we could call it today that would come to mind. The Holy Spirit addresses this practice of our faith here in the first nine verses by the way we treat others in our assembly, in our church. There's three thoughts. We looked at two last week. We're going to add one this week and then wrap some things up in a very practical way. Um, the first thing we said last week was this. We can't argue about it. Respective persons, favoritism and prejudice is a sin. Unfortunately, um, every age of history and culture has its partiality. It, it's favoritism, it's, it's prejudices. As a matter of fact, every age will have its prejudices because every age has this three-letter word called sin. Yeah, sin. And that is exactly what partiality, respect of persons is. It is sin. One could explain their prejudice any way they want to. They can make excuses for it. They can give reasons uh, for it. But all those excuses go out the window when we look at Scripture because Scripture calls it a sin. Here in this passage, we're given the example of rich and poor. And that is certainly a great example and one that's even relevant for today. But respective persons takes on many forms. Um, age and gender, uh, color, religion, ethnicity, um, physical disability, social conditions, uh, you, you name it, the list could go on and on. Political beliefs, uh, family status, um, relationships. People judge and people treat people differently based on so many different varying categories. And in every single case, it's still the same three-letter word, sin. We look here at our passage. But if ye have, verse number nine, respect of persons, ye commit sin. When held to the test of scripture, partiality and prejudice, respect of persons, is sin. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. You are guilty of the law. The second thing we said is there is no place, let me say that again, there is no place in the Christian faith for respective persons. Look there again with me at verse number one in James chapter two. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. It is found in the world, but it should never be found 
inside the local New Testament church? Why is there no place for partiality, for prejudice, for respect of persons in our church and Christianity? We gave a couple reasons and let me give them to you tonight as a reminder. It's not found in the character of God. For God so loved the world. He was without partiality in his love, without prejudice uh, in his love. He loved everyone so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for them that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Wow. God loved everybody. God was without partiality, without respect of persons. We look at other passages. Of course, Peter, uh, one of the uh, New Testament church leaders, had to learn this. And many of the, the Jews had to learn this because this age was filled with it. By the way, we as a church still need to learn it today. But Peter had to learn it when it came to the Jew and the Gentile and those who could receive salvation. And in Christ teaching him and Christ leading him through uh, visions and a circumstance, Peter comes to this conclusion that is recorded in Acts chapter 10, verse number 34. Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. It doesn't matter who you are. If you fear God and you live right, God accepts accepted with him. God is no respecter of persons. That was the New Testament. We go back to the Old Testament. And Jehoshaphat is instructing the judges of Judah there in 2 Chronicles chapter 19. This was my Bible reading uh, late last week. Uh, Verse number six, and said to the judges, take heed what ye do for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. He reminded them, As you stand and judge people, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for God. Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor, listen, there is no respect of persons. It's not in the character of God. It's not in the character of Christ. Um. Matthew chapter 9 gives us a little bit of insight. And there's multiple passages that we could look at to, to prove this and show this. But thereafter, uh, calling Matthew to follow him, he goes back to Matthew's house. And there he's accused of eating with publicans and sinners. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw it, they said to the disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? How, how dare you eat with those people? What were they exercising? Respect of persons based on somebody's class, based on uh, somebody's past, based on uh, where they worked at. They were having respect of persons. There was prejudice. Verse number 12, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Those that watched Christ and studied them, even studied him, even those who hated him, Uh, knew they understood there was something uniquely different in Christ uh, that was apart from the culture of the time. In Matthew 22, verse number 16, this is how they word it. For thou regardest not the person of men. Jesus, we know, we acknowledge that you don't treat people differently based on who they are and their class and where they came from. 
You treat everybody the same. You, you don't regard people in different spots. As a matter of fact, um, by far not the only, but most certainly one of the things that Christ sacrificed did for this world was Christ broke down barriers. Christ broke down walls uh, of partiality, of prejudice, of respective persons. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we read, and we read 11 verses last week, but let me share just two of those verses with you this evening. Verse number 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ brought us closer to him. We were outcasts. Uh, we were unworthy, but because of Jesus and his sacrifice, we were pulled in. Verse number 19, now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter what our nationality is. It doesn't matter what gender we are. It doesn't matter our age or uh, or where we're categorized and uh, any different matter. There's no respecter of persons with Christ. By salvation, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we were all put on an equal playing field. Partiality, prejudice is not in the character of God. It's not in the character of Christ. It's not in the character of those who possess wisdom. James chapter three, verse number 17. Uh, verse number 13 says, who is the wise man and a dude with knowledge among you, and then it shares some characteristics of this wise man. Verse number 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. One of the characteristics of the one who is wise is they're without prejudice. They're without partiality. And maybe you're sitting there tonight thinking, oh, I still have some partiality. I've still got some prejudices in my life. I still uh, judge people based on what they look like or what color of skin they have. Let me say, first of all, it's a sin. Second of all, you don't possess wisdom. You lack spiritual maturity if you are treating people different. If you are exercising partiality, if you're exercising respect of Persons. It's not in the character of God. It's not the character of Christ. It's not the character uh, of the one who possesses wisdom. And it's not in the character of the obedient Christian. Obviously, because this passage talked about it being a sin, but, but so much more than this passage. Luke chapter number six, verse number 32 says, If ye love them which love you, what thank have ye for sinners? Also love them that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye for sinners do even the same? And if ye lend to them of whom ye have hope to receive, what thank have ye for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again? But love ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. If we're supposed to treat, if we treat those we love right, and we're supposed to treat our enemies right, then everybody that falls in between those who we love and our enemies ought to be treated with love. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter where they came from. It doesn't matter their social status. Doesn't matter their age. 
everybody deserves to be treated with love. The obedient, the obedient Christian loves his friends and he loves his enemies. The obedient Christian does good for his friends. He does good for his enemies. The obedient Christian shows mercy to his friends. He shows mercy to his enemies. We're to treat all men alike. We find our third thought, and uh, this one's new, though those ones were great, and we needed to hear them again. But our new point, our new thought, and the main thought for this evening, uh, I want you to look there with me at verse number five. James asks a question, and he says there in verse number five, hearken, my beloved brother. The word hearken is another word that uh, would get attention. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I clap. And uh, every time I do it, it, it just kind of shuffles the brain. It kind of shuffles the mind and it catches the eyes. Uh, the eyes of people lift up and, and all of a sudden they're, uh, I, after I put them to sleep, they're sparked back to life again. And that's, that's what this word hearken is. It's, hey, be mindful of this. Hey, pay attention. Hey, listen up. Hearken, my beloved brethren. And then he asks the question, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? Number three, let me say this. Often, our assessment of someone is not God's assessment of that person. God's choice of someone is often not our choice of someone. And we need to make sure that we have the mind of God, that we see people the way God sees them. We can be so often guilty of judging people too quickly by what we see, and we're not very good at it. We're not very good at it. Uh, I can't tell you how many times growing up, and, and sometimes even now, and, and I've got to guard against this sin. You're out, you're out soul winning, you're out witnessing, you're out knocking doors and all of a sudden you see uh, a man standing there and he's got a, uh, just a big bike and he's got leather uh, on and he's got huge tattoos down both arms and uh, just looks mean and uh, looks rough and has a scowl on his face and sometimes the Holy Spirit says, Steve, I want you to go talk to him. And we think, oh, no, 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 Lord, he's not interested. I mean, look at him, what, what just happened. Respective persons, partiality. I have had more old ladies give me a harder time about giving them the gospel and being rough than I had big burly men on Harleys give me a hard time. But if we're not careful, we tend to categorize people. We look at people differently and we don't see them through the eyes of God. It is respect of persons when we judge the character of a man and his usefulness before even having a conversation. When we look at somebody and then decide how God can use them or how God couldn't use them, it's exactly what this passage is talking about. We have respective persons, prejudice, partiality. I was at uh, a car dealership, used car dealership not long ago, and I was talking to a, a man there, and he shared the story with me as I was sitting there. He said, uh, a couple weeks ago, 
this man came in and he parked outside of the dealership and he walked over. He, he was a, a large man, a fairly overweight man. Uh, he had a ball cap on with, with shaggy hair, no shirt, uh, shortcut jeans. And uh, like the short, like jeans that were cut into shorts and sandals on. And this guy was walking through, uh, looking at vehicles and checking out uh, all these big trucks. And the man said, he goes, us on the sales floor, we're, we're just joking around. Uh, hey, who wants that guy? And they were all, you know, rolling their eyes and, and trying to make sure that it wasn't them who uh, had to walk through with this guy and talk to him. And, and then finally, one of the guys said, all right, I'll take him. Long story short, that guy that day said, hold on, walked to his truck, took out a briefcase of bills and paid for a $40,000 truck with cash right there on the spot. And the man mentioned, he said, uh, sometimes when we look at people, sometimes it just throws us off uh, who buys what. You know, the same thing happens at car dealerships that it does as, at the church. Well, I, I don't know if I should invest as much time into that person. Look at the way they look. That is exactly what James is dealing with here, that, that we don't see people the way that God sees them. We judge by what we see with our eyes, but God sees so much more. Here in James, it's the rich and the poor. Now, it may be easy for a man to be partial to the rich. God is not partial to them. As a matter of fact, as you look through scripture, riches are considered a stumbling block. It, riches are an obstacle to real faith. We're, we're recorded for us in Matthew chapter 19, the rich young ruler. Um, he gives him a list of things and the man says, all these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? And he tells him to go and sell all his goods to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. In verse number 22, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly, it doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's much more difficult. For the rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says it is a very difficult thing. Of course, the disciples then said, well, then how will it happen? And we get the, with the verse, uh, with God, all things are possible. For man, it's not possible, but with God, all things are possible. Uh, strength uh, can be a stumbling block. Resources can be a stumbling block to faith. Uh, part, uh, personality can be a stumbling block. Knowledge can be a stumbling block. Family pedigree is often a stumbling block to faith. As Meyer said, the rich man may trust him, but the poor man must. The poor man has no fortress in which to hide except for the two strong arms of God. Have you taken time to consider that the Lord's earthly ministry was primarily to the poor and the needy of this world? If that was Christ's uh, main ministry, if that was his primary ministry, Shouldn't that fit as a part of our main and primary ministry? John the Baptist is in prison. He sends his disciples 
uh, to Jesus uh, to question him and to find out, is he really the Messiah? Is he really the, the promised one? And uh, Jesus says there in, in verse number four of Matthew 11, go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Jesus said, I want you to go back and tell John that there's people getting healed, that the ones who are lame and the ones who are maimed and the ones who are blind are being healed and the poor are having the gospel preached unto them. What is the significant difference of that? I believe the significant difference is the Pharisees, the religious leaders and the scribes and the rulers, religious rulers of the day had very little time for the poor, had very little uh, ministry to the poor. But Jesus was different. And John, I want you to acknowledge that yes, I'm Jesus and here it is to prove I'm going to the poor. The poor has the gospel preached unto them. When God chooses, he looks at things far different than our looking. Man's partiality, man's prejudice rarely ever agrees with the heart of God. Our sight is flawed. I would dare say that if it would have been left up to us, that we probably would not have chosen the 12 disciples. And the one disciple that we would have probably chose was Judas. And we know the rest of the story that happened to him. We would not have chosen these men. We would have looked in different places if we were choosing 12 people who were gonna shake the world. God looks at people differently. We need to make sure we have the heart and mind of God. One of the verses, uh, chapters in scripture that really helps us in this matter of thinking is 1 Corinthians chapter one. It really puts us in, puts this whole thing into perspective. Verse number 24. But in them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of this world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Paul was saying, church at Corinth, let me remind you that God doesn't see people the way we see them, that God's wisdom is so far above ours and God's weaknesses are still uh, better than uh, our strengths and that God has chosen people and things that you wouldn't choose because you probably would exercise partiality. You probably would exercise respect of persons. You probably would exercise prejudice. 
we could boil it down to this thought this evening. When we choose people by what we see on the surface, we most often miss the heart and mind of God. When we judge people just by what we see at first glance, we often miss the heart and mind of God. We've jumped around and looked at verses in these first nine here in James chapter number two. But I want to conclude with uh, a few thoughts, okay? Under this, guys, how do I keep from having eyes of partiality, okay? Um, You can dismiss it, but the truth is, respective persons and partiality and prejudice is something that everybody faces. It's a sin. And so therefore, just like any sin, we have to get the victory over it. God makes all things new. The world can have its partiality and prejudice, but the, the church should not have its partiality and prejudice. And so how do we keep from having eyes of partiality? Five quick thoughts this evening. Number one, don't judge people purely on sight. Yes, man looks at the outward appearance because it's all we have to look at. But God sees more. And so let's wait to see what God says and what God does in a person's life. For the Christian, yes, the the outside is important. We, We can't dismiss that. How is the world going to see Christ? How is the world going to see a difference in us if they do not see it in our lifestyle, if they do not see it in our actions and our reactions, if they don't see it in the things we do and uh, the way we live our life? But for somebody walking inside of the church, don't judge based on sight. Let's not fall prey to look at their social status or their nationality, or their color, or the things that they have going uh, against them or going for them. Let's make sure we have the mind of God on it. And so if we want to have uh, keep from having eyes of partiality, don't judge purely on sight. Number two, don't judge people based on the past. Judge them on what could be in the future. You know, if it wasn't for God's grace in any of our lives, we would all be more of a mess than we already are. I'm a mess. <laughs> but without God's grace and mercy in my life, I sure would be more of a mess. Accept people and then give God's grace time to work in their life. Don't, don't judge them and then cut them off. Don't look at them and categorize them. I'm so glad God, I'm so glad the church gave me uh, an opportunity and allowed God's grace to work and continue to work in my life. I need that. You need that. And the person who walks into the church doors needs that. They need time to allow God's grace and mercy and love to work. You know, when Saul of Tarsus had his Damascus Road experience, the church 
was like, whoa, I mean, you know who that guy was? I mean, he was just persecuting Christians and, and he's supposed to stand up and teach us? Like we're supposed to just accept him? He's in prison, my friends and my loved ones. I, I know people who have died uh, because of him breathing out threatenings to the church and I'm just supposed to invite him with open arms? And it took Barnabas, a man who had the mind of God on the matter to say, wait, 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 he's different. Let's let time, let's let God work because God's gonna use this person in a great way. Don't, don't judge people based on past, but what they could be in the future. Number three, be careful not to cater to one group or another. Be careful not to cater to one group uh, or another. This was never more evident to me in a church, in church uh, than a couple years ago. I was on a bus and we were loading and Tyler was five at the time. Tyler gets on the bus as a five-year-old boy, drive-in, his dad's the pastor of the church and he's got a cup of candy, he's got a coloring sheet, coloring sheet uh, he's got a prize. I mean, he is loaded. And the very next boy that gets on behind him is a five-year-old boy, and he has none of that. All because they went to two different classes. You know, I felt bad for that five-year-old boy who followed my son. It wasn't his fault. It's not his fault that his parents don't go to church. It's not his fault that God has not been a priority in his family. It's not his fault that, that that was the circumstance and the situation. But it was evident that the two young men were being treated two different ways. I understand that you might teach uh, somebody different in the sake of my five-year-old boy probably knows more Bible than maybe that five-year-old boy and, and my five-year-old son is going through different uh, trials than this five-year-old uh, son and maybe illustrations and different Bible stories and there's some, some teaching things that might, not, that might need to be adjusted. But let me say this evening that love is not different and compassion is not different and care is not different and preparation is not different and mercy is not different and involvement should never be different. That's what I'm talking about tonight. We've got to be careful not to cater to one group or another group. The church kid ought to have just as nice of a room as the bus kid whose parents don't go to our church has. The church kid ought to get the same thing that the bus kid get, and the bus kid ought to get the same thing that the church kids uh, get. They might uh, get two different lessons that are applied in two different ways because of the different things that they're dealing with and what they know in Scripture. But the way they're loved should not change, and the way they're treated should not change, and the grace that they get should not change, and our expectation for them should not change. Why? Because they are a child of God. We've got to be careful. Don't judge purely on sight. Don't judge people based on past. Be careful not to cater to one group or another. Number four, on purpose. If you're trying to have uh, get the victory over eyes of partiality, get outside of your comfort zone and outside of your clique of friends. Get outside of your comfort zone 
and get outside of your clique of friends. If you want to break down some walls and barriers of prejudice, if you want to correct your partiality, then every week you go to church, get outside of your pew and go shake the hand of somebody else. Go shake the hand of somebody who doesn't look like you, who has a different social status than you. Go shake the hand of uh, somebody who might have come in that was homeless and you're not. Go shake the hand of somebody that you wouldn't have typically shook the hand. Go greet somebody. Go carry on a conversation with somebody. Get out of your clique and your little pew of friends and go invest in somebody different than you. And you know what's going to happen? You keep doing that. And you are going to begin to see people a different way. You're going to begin to see people the way God sees them. Number five and lastly, and if you didn't listen to anything else, I pray you would catch this one. Do your best to look at everyone through the eyes of Christ, through the eyes of God. Now, I can't see their heart like he can. But I can see through the same eyes of love. I can see through the same eyes of grace. I can see through the same eyes of mercy. I can see through the same eyes of compassion. I can see through the same eyes of forgiveness that our God sees through. If a person is a Christian, I can accept them because Christ lives in him. He is a brother and sister in Christ. And if the person is not a Christian, I can accept them because God still loves him. And God still sent his son to die for him. And God still cares about him. If I want to keep from having eyes of partiality, I must force myself to look at people the way God looks at us. Eyes of partiality, prejudice, respect of persons. It's a sin. And may it be driven far from our lives and from our church. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the wonderful blessing of being able to look at your word and Thank you for the challenge here in James, the challenge by your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that, that every single one of us would work, would work at practicing this truth. That was, that, was, that was why the Holy Spirit put it in there so we could live it. Help us to practice this truth. Help respective persons, partiality, prejudice to be driven far from us. And God, may we see people as you see them. May we love them as you love them. May we show grace and mercy and compassion, forgiveness as you show all those things to us. And we'll be sure to thank you and praise you for in the name of your son, Jesus. We ask these things, amen. Thank you for taking time to join us this evening. Uh, we're gonna have a prayer time tonight, uh, just individually there in our own homes. And I want you to comment if you have a special prayer request, uh, would you put it in the comments below? We'd like to take time uh, to pray for those as a church family. And I want to encourage you, uh, wait a little bit and then jump on there and just run through the comments uh, real quick and then have a word of prayer for these requests. May we lift each other up as brothers and sisters in Christ. May we make, may we make uh, other people's uh, problems uh, something that we bring before the Lord. May we jump in the battle with them and pray for them. And uh, what a blessing that would be. 
And then I pray this week we'd have the wonderful opportunity to share the love of Christ with somebody. Uh, this Sunday, Mother's Day, men, public service announcement again. Don't forget about that. And uh, guys, send a card to your mom as well. Make sure your wife is taken care of uh, this weekend. Do something special for her. And then stay tuned because this Sunday, uh, we are going to once again jump into another essential part of Christianity and then talk about what, how we can uh, jump in and be a blessing and help with our live stream services. Sunday night, we have a special uh, interview with uh, one of our missionaries, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, uh, but this is a special. We have a couple, uh, a husband and wife, that'll be with us uh, on our call and looking forward to that this Sunday evening. I believe God has great things in store for you for the remainder of your week. May we keep living for him. And uh, God bless you. Let's have a word of prayer to close. Father, we love you. Thank you again for our Wednesday night online service. We cannot wait till we can meet together uh, May 24th. But until then, would you continue to encourage us? May we invite somebody to join us for these services and even the service on Sunday. Would you lay somebody on our heart that we'd encourage to watch uh, and be a part of uh, the worship service Sunday? And God, may it be a wonderful blessing to them. God, use us. And I pray that as we look at these requests and the ones that have been made, that we would pray, sincerely pray, and make supplication for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, it is my prayer that if there's one uh, listening that does not know your son Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that Father, tonight they would bow their heads, they would place their faith in your son Jesus Christ, that they would ask for forgiveness of their sins, that they would turn uh, to you, and that, Father, they would be saved. And we'll thank you and praise you for in the name of your son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Have a great night, church. God bless you.